The company spent the night in the great cavernous hall, huddled close together in a corner to escape the drought. All about them as they lay hung the darkness, hollow and immense, and they were oppressed by the loneliness and the vastness of the Dolvin halls and the endlessly branching stairs and passages. The wildest imaginings that dark rumor had ever suggested to the hobbits fell altogether short of the actual dread and wonder of Moria. There must have been a mighty crowd of dwarves here at one time, said Sam, and every one of them busier than badgers for five hundred years to make all this, and most in hard rock, too. What did they do it all for? They didn't live in these darksome holes, surely? These are not holes, said Gimli. This is the great realm of the city of Dwarodelf, and of old it was not darksome, but full of light and splendor, as is still remembered in songs. Hey there, gang. I'm Danny J. And I'm Joel N. And I'm Trevor D. And, and together, together we, we are Keep On Tolkien. That was perfect. That was beautiful. I liked it. Welcome back, guys. Yeah, and of course, get this out of the way right away. We got an, we got some announcements for you. Our new t-shirts are available, of course. Yeah, go check out the merch. The merch. The merch store. The merch. I like the Nurture. Nurture our merch store. It's now called the Nurture Store. Go to keep-on-tolkien-podcast.tmail.com, and we've got new designs coming all the time, and uh, they inform us we've got more sizes coming in the future as well. Yeah, by the end of the year, that's what they say. That's their promise, not ours. Remember, get mad at them, not us. <laughs> <laughs> Just joking. Just joking. We, lo- we love T-Mail. They're great. And of course, let's welcome our, uh, our friend Trevor back on today. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Always a good time. Always good to have you. It's always great to have Trevor. Trevor's just, he lights, he lights up the room. What are we talking about today, Trevor? Today we're talking about the history of the kingdom of Khazad-dûm. That's right. So last week we had talked all about our uh, review of season one of the Rings of Power show. Yeah. So we, we thought it'd be relevant to kind of give you a breakdown of the kingdom of Khazad-dûm, the history behind that. Yeah, it has to do with the show. Look at that. It has a lot, yeah, It's pretty relevant to the show. Relevance. That's what we're going for, guys. The se- the key to this season, relevance. Yes, the theme of the season, <laughs> relevance. <laughs> <laughs> so, Khazad Doom. All right. So, briefly, let's just touch on what is the kingdom of Khazad Doom for those who might not be familiar. Yeah, and of course, that's an underground dwarvish kingdom beneath the misty mountains, or the elvish word. I remember. I just learned this the other day. Hithiglir. Yeah, for the Misty Mountains, Hithiglir. Yeah. It's also the oldest, the largest, and the most famous of all of the Dwarvish kingdoms, and is home to Durin's folk, also known as the Longbeards. Longbeards, beer, 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 beer. we love them. That's our favorite, right? Yeah, that's the, that's the clan of dwarves we uh, come in contact most commonly with in Tolkien's work. In the first stage, we got uh, a couple other ones, but from then on pretty much all long beards yeah so, let's so get, you want to get some names of cause of doom yeah because it's got a handful of names as does everything in tolkien and i'll say i agree with samwise gamgee when you say this language is a real jaw cracker for sure yeah 
<laughs> I love that. Yeah. Because it sure is. It sure is, guys. The, the language of the dwarves, Kuzdul. So some names for Khazad-dûm. There's, of course, its self-given name from by the dwarves, Khazad-dûm. That's Kuzdul. It's also, uh, it's Kuzdul for the words dwarvish mansion. It's also called the Kasarando, and that's Quenya for dwarves mansion. And it also goes by the name Hadhodrand, which is the Sindarin word for the same, Dwarves Mansion. Furingarian. Is that Westron? That's Westron. And that means Dwarodelf? The Dwarodelf. Oh, cool. Then we got Moria, which is Sindarin, and that just means Black Pit. Yeah, that's the name that most people probably know it by is Moria. Yeah, and then of course we got the Dwarodelf. Some, some people just refer to it as that. Take us out, Trev. We also have the Black Chasm. Mm hmm. The Black Pit, mm-hmm. the mansion of the Khazud, Halls of Durin. There you go. Yeah. It has uh, many like respected names for the dwarves. The dwarves have many names for this it. This is a sick place, you guys. Mark this on your maps. Yeah, one of the things I was most excited about for the show was getting to see all of Khazad Doom. Oh, and it was great. Day and I, yeah, I had no complaints there. It's freaking beautiful. And it awesome. was gorgeous. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about it. So Moria is actually introduced in The Hobbit. That's the first whisperings we have of it. Yeah, and uh, the foundation of the kingdom happened sometime between the year 1050 and 1250 of the Years of the Trees. So this is way back. This is before the First Age. Way, way, way back. And Moria is composed of vast labyrinths of tunnels, chambers, mines, and even halls deep under the Misty Mountains. Yeah, it has doors on both the western and eastern sides of the Misty Mountain Range. That's pretty fucking insane. Yeah, spans the whole mountain range. It was founded in ancient days by Durin I, before the sun and the moon. After Durin woke at Mount Gundabad in the northern Misty Mountains, he traveled south along the mountain range. He found, and I quote, a glen of shadows between two great arms of the mountains, above which three white peaks were shining. Yeah, and within that heavily wooded valley... A long series of short waterfalls led down to a long oval lake, which appeared to have a sort of magical quality. Uh, it, it, quote, there, like jewels sunk in the deep, shone glittering stars through sunlight, to, though there was sunlight in the sky above. So, perceiving these stars as a crown glittering above his head, Durin took this as an auspicious sign and named the lake Khaled Zaram. Right? Khaled Zaram. Khaled Zaram, the Miromar. Yeah. And uh, you guys may know this dell to be the eastern the eastern entrance to Khazad-dûm. So the three peaks that overshadow the lake, he named in uh, in order Barazinbar, the Red Horn, Zirak Zigel, the Silverstein, and Bundeshathur, the Cloudy Head. Those are some really cool names. I really love the dwarvish names. They're so fucking cool. The Elvish names in order are Karadras, Kelebdil, and Vanudhol. Uh, the uh, the icy cold springs below the lake he called Kibilnala, mm-hmm. uh, the source of the Silver Load. And the valley itself he gave the name Azanulbazar, the Dimril Dale. All of these places became revered among Durin's folk in later days. On the site where he had first looked into the Miromer, Durin's descendants erected a rune-carved stone monolith that became known as Durin's Stone. Yeah, there's a scene in the Fellowship after they exit Moria where Gimli insists that it, while they're there, regardless of what's going on, he has to stop at Durin's Stone. Mm-hmm. So Jor- Durin chose the eastward-facing caves above Keled Zaram, 
right? You got it. Yes. <laughs> As the earliest beginning of the new stronghold. I love how I can do Elvish better and you can do Kuz Duel better. That's just kind of our thing. Yeah, we have, a, we have our, each we our own have interests. Our things. All have our special interests. <laughs> so the long reign of the kingdom of Khazad Doom's first king was a golden age for the, for the kingdom and is remembered as Durin's Day. Not to be confused with the actual singular day the Dwarven of the Dwarvish New Year called Durin's Day. Also th- called. Yeah. Also called Durin's Day. That's an actual like day that they celebrate every year. When they, in this sense, they're just talking about like a period of time, like back in the day. Yeah. Back in Durin's Day. Durin's Day is when the keyhole appears on the side of the Lonely Mountain, right? Yeah, that's right. Yep. Yeah. On the on the holiday, yep. Mm-hmm. So during this period of time, uh, Khazad-dûm grew continuously in size and population until it became, quote, the greatest of all the mansions of the dwarves End quote. Even before the return of the Noldor to Middle Earth. Yo, this, so this is, is before the Noldor even got yeah, here. So these this guys is before are... the first age, before the sun and the moon. This is years of the trees. And these guys are stacked the fuck up, dog. Yep. Yeah, the dwarves are old. By that time, Casadum was already, quote, a name in a rumor from the words of the dwarves of the Blue Mountains, end quote, to all the Eldar of Beleriand. And we got a little excerpt here for you. This is actually a, a relatively long excerpt. We figured this would be a good time to throw out the song of Durin, and we're gonna we're actually gonna split this up amongst the three of us because it's a relatively long one. It's a long one, but a uh, a good one. I couldn't not put it in just because this is probably one of my favorite Tolkien poems. Yeah, you're gonna get it uncut and raw. Yeah, and it gives just a wonderful touch on the history of Durin and Khazad Doom. So here we go. Let's give it a go. Here we go. The world was young, the mountains green, no stain yet on the moon was seen, no words were laid on stream or stone, when Durin woke and walked alone. He named the nameless hills and dells, he drank from yet untasted wells, he stooped and looked in mirror mirror, and saw a crown of stars appear, as gems upon a silver thread above the shadow of his head. The world was fair, the mountains tall, in elder days, before the fall, of mighty kings and Nargothrond and Gondolin, who now beyond the western seas have passed away. The world was fair in Durin's day. A king he was, on carven throne, in many pillared halls of stone, with golden roof and silver floor, and ruins of power on the door. The light of sun and star and moon in shining lamps of crystal hewn, undimmed by cloud or shade of night, there shone forever fair and bright. Their hammer on the anvil smote, their chisel clove and graver wrote, their blade was forged and bound the hilt, the delver mined, the mason built, the burl pearl, the opal pale, and metal wrought like fish's mail, buckler and corset, axe and sword, and shining spears were laid in hoard. Unwearied then were Durin's folk, beneath the mountains music woke. The harpers harped, the minstrels sang, and at the gates the trumpets rang. The world is gray, the mountains old, the forge's fire is ashen cold. No harp is rung, no hammer falls, the darkness dwells in Durin's halls. The shadow lies upon his tomb, in Moria, in Khazad-dûm. But still the sunken stars appear in dark and windless Miromir. There lies his crown in water deep till Durin wakes again from sleep. God, I love that. 
Oh, that's the shit. I love that poem that's so much. That's the good shit. We just gave him a little bit of the good shit, you know? That was some of the good shit, guys. I hope you know that. I hope you know that. It's the good, we put the, this in there for you guys. It's the best shit in town. It's the purest shit you'll this is, get. This is good. That was good. I love that. <laughs> if you guys don't know, that's one of my favorites. <laughs> that was really cool. That's the first time I, I read through it. Yeah. It's sick, right? Yeah. It, yeah. The All the rhymes are perfectly placed. That's yeah. Sick. And it has, such a, it has such a nice flow to it, too. Yeah. Tolkien is so good. Yeah. It's almost like he was a writer or something. He, yeah. he was really good at this. So during the reign of Durin the Deathless, some of the wonders of the dwarvish architecture that were built in Khazadum included Durin's Bridge, the Second Hall, the Endless Stair, and of course Durin's Tower. Yeah, that's right. After Durin's death, the reputation of Durin's realm continued to grow. Uh, Durin had participate uh, had particularly strong had a particularly strong spiritual influence over the other fathers of the dwarves, and he was kind of considered their eldest, and he was highly respected. Uh, Khazad-dum's size also continued to grow, and this was mostly because of its great wealth from the mining of its precious metal that you can be only find in Khazad-dum, known as Mithril. Mithril! Beep, 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 beep. Yeah, so let's take a second to uh, talk about Mithril, because you can't talk about Moria Khazad-dum without talking about Mithril. This was a well, huge first- part of... This is that metal that has the light of the Silmarils in it. You can suck my dick. <laughs> that was... That, no. We're, we're still mad about that. No, 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 no. Trevor, are you mad about it too? That was the silliest write-in, I think. Yeah, I've, out I've, of the whole thing. Like, even if know. they wanted to say that it, like, shone on its own, which it didn't, it, like, reflected back in greater hues. It, didn't, it wasn't really lit within, like, a Silmaril, but... Even if they wanted to say it was lit within, fine, whatever, but they didn't have to bring the Silmarils yeah. into it. Unnecessary. 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 So let's learn about what Mithril really, actually yeah, is. Yeah, what it really yeah. fucking is. Take us there, Trevor. So so really, Mithril... <laughs> in <it> seriousness. <laughs> in all seriousness, yeah. Mithril was a precious silvery metal. It was very lightweight, uh, but it was immensely strong. And it was only found in, of course, the mines of Khazad-dûm. Of course. Uh, before the fall of Moria, Mithril was worth 10 times its own volume in gold. Hell yeah. I love how they use volume instead of weight because it's so light. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, I agree. And However, though, after the abandonment of Moria, the excavation of Mithril, it stopped entirely. And it became priceless. Naturally, it was the only place you could get it. So, yeah, it became a pretty prized Gotta possession. Gotta get it. Gotta get it. And we've got a nice quote about Mithril right here. Yeah, this is going to be from Chapter 4, Journey in the Dark, from The Fellowship of the Ring, Book 2. The wealth of Moria was not in gold and jewels, the toys of the dwarves, nor in iron their servant. Such things they found here, it is true, especially iron. But they did not need to delve for them. All things that they desired they could obtain in traffic. For here alone in the world was found Moria silver, or true silver, or as some call it, Mithril in the Elvish name. The dwarves have a name which they do not tell. Its worth was ten times that of gold, and now it is beyond price. For little is left above ground, and even the orcs dare not dwell here for it. Mithril, all folk desired it. It could be beaten like copper and polished like glass, and the dwarves could make it a metal, light, and yet harder than tempered steel. Its beauty was like to that of common silver, but the beauty of Mithril did not tarnish or grow dim. The elves dearly loved it, and among many uses they made of it, Ithildin, Star Moon, 
which you saw upon the doors. Bilbo had a corslet of mithril rings that Thorin gave him. I wonder what has become of it. Gathering dust still in Mikkel Delving Matham House, I suppose. What? cried Gimli, startled out of his silence. A corslet of Moria silver. That was a kingly gift. Yes, said Gandalf. I never told him, but its worth was greater than that of the value of the whole shire and everything in it. Yeah, that mithril. Super duper valuable. Yeah, way valuable, guys. And just super useful. I imagine it would probably would make great circuitry as well. I imagine it'd be really good at uh, repairing dead trees, too. You know, <laughs> you can lick my asshole. No, uh, no, 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 no. Just like plant no. a sapling with mithril, instant tree. Instant tree. <laughs> yeah, instant tree. It's like a chia pet, but with mithril. <laughs> God damn it. So, mithril. So, by the end of the Third Age, the only way to obtain a mithril object of any kind was to either use an heirloom that was passed down. Some people had, like, mithril weapons and armor that were produced before the fall of Moria. And uh, the only other thing you could do was to take those and melt down those existing objects to form new ones. That, that's about your that's only it. options. There. Recycling, sir. Recycling. Yeah, there's no new mithril coming out of these mines. However, most of the mithril produced by the dwarves before the fall of Moria was actually gathered by the orcs and paid as tribute to Sauron, who was known to covet mithril. He really, really wanted it, understandably. Understandably, he's a smith. He's a smith. But how in the fuck are stupid are these orcs? What do you mean? Why would you give... You have any idea how valuable that is? Form a union or something, at least. You know (laughs) what I mean? Like... I don't give know some to, of this mithril. what to tell these orcs, but like just to give all that shit to Sauron, it just seems insane to me. I suppose. Did I mean, they keep any of it? I mean, they were horrified of him, so <sighs> I I don't know. It's Fuck terrible. Sauron, Imagine dude. having to like hand over just arms full armfuls of mithril stuff. Yeah, what the fuck? They even like it. That shiny shit. That's but, mine. That's mine. But also. Sauron was known to covet it, and apparently he acquired most of the mithril in circulation. What the fuck did he do yeah. with it all? It's also funny he gave back Frodo's mithril corslet if he loved it so much. That must have been so hard for him to give up. <laughs> he must have just been like, oh, I really want to keep this, but giving it back is going to be the dopest oh, yeah. token of despair ever. I suppose, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that also shows how much he values intimidating his enemies. Yeah, what a petty man. But also, like, what, what did he What did he use all that mithril for? We never see anything that comes out of Mordor or anything made of a silver... Everything's maybe, black. Maybe the foundations of Barad-dûr. I was literally just thinking that. Whoa, dude. I was just thinking that. What Whoa, tokeneering, dude. What if he used all of that mithril plus the power of the ring? Because he said they, they say yeah. that the power of the ring is, is it was bound to the foundations as well. So what yeah. if he used the power of the ring plus mithril pilings? Plus mithril, and he made his own black ore or whatever. and Mithril he, rebar. And used it all to make the foundations of Barad-dûr. That's, uh, I'm signing off on that, tokeneering. There we go. I think that's a solid... What do you guys think? <laughs> solid theory? We just dropped that on the drop of a dime. Yeah. Not in the script. So in general, there was never a ton of mithril in circulation, and it was wily, uh, It was highly valued and coveted by everyone. Some famous objects that were made of mithril include... And this I didn't know, and I'm so friggin' mad. Mm. That in Gondor, the helmets of the guards of the Citadel were made of mithril, and they were heirlooms of Gondor's past wealth. That's right. 
Remember when Gondor, when they, what they say, uh, it says in the, the appendix, I think, uh, when precious stones were thi- child's playthings. Child's playthings, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know they probably had some Mithril around too. Oh, yeah. Like Mithril butter knives and shit? Just like. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's how <laughs> fucking rich. Yeah. Yep. So fucking rich. Mithril silverware. I remember I grew up a uh, poor child. And I remember one time I went over to this like insanely rich people's house and they were using gold plated silverware. Oof. And it literally blew my fucking mind. I was like. They're eating? It? on gold yeah i was like these people must make your food taste better or something who knows being rich just makes everything taste better i bet probably so other mithril objects known mithril objects so after the war of the ring the great gate of minas tirith that was rebuilt by the dwarves was uh, made out of mithril and steel yeah, and of course that bilbo's mithril coat which we all have just heard about right mm-hmm. yeah and then there's the elven Ring of Power Nenya, which was made of Mithril. Yeah, a lot of people forget about that one. In uh, Bilbo Baggins's Song of Arundel, it says, The powers of Amon built Arundel's ship, quote, of Mithril and of Elven Glass. Whoa. I wonder what Elven Glass is like. I have no idea, dude, but I want to see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, searching Orthanc, King Elisar and his aides found the long-lost uh, Elendilmir, uh, which is a white star of Elvish crystal affixed to a fillet of Mithril. Once owned by Elendil, it was an emblem of royalty in the North Kingdom of Arnor. And uh, for all you Dunedine heads out there, that was, of course, recovered in the Glad Fields by uh, Saruman's henchmen while searching for the ring. Yep, and that's how he found out that uh, Elendil did, in fact, fall there. Or no, Isildur, Isildur, in fact, fell there. That he did die somewhere around there. It was rumored that they may have found his bones as well, Mm. but they may have defiled them. Like... Or scattered them? them? I don't know. So the Noldor of Aregion uh, discovered how to make an alloy out of Mithril called Ithildin. This is also, uh, this is uh, essentially Elvish for star moon. Ithildin was often used to decorate gateways and doors. It was only visible by starlight or moonlight. Yeah, the West Gate of Moria is one of these famous examples. It's known for its uh, Ithildin etchings and its ruins. Does it have like a... Does it just blend in with whatever other material? Yeah, dog, you can't see it unless this, the, the moonlight hits it. Mm-hmm. That's pretty dope. Yeah. So let's talk about some features of Khazad Doom. Take it away, Trev. All of the Dwarodelf was originally lit by many shining lamps of crystal. The halls of the highest level were also lit with windows and shafts carved through the mountainsides. I really love how in the series they were growing plants underneath those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, that yeah. was a cool use. Yeah, where the lights And using come in. the mirrors to reflect things around. Yeah. It, it added a lot of color as Super well, cool. which made yeah. it extra cool. Yeah, I, I was surprised how colorful Casa Doom was. Yeah, it was really cool. I loved, like we said, we loved Casa Doom in the show. I thought it was great. Yeah. So, uh, features of Casa Doom. So, each level of Casa Doom is separated by flights of 50 or more stone steps with seven levels above ground. Uh, that should be ground level, I, I I should say, because everything's underground. And then there's uh, many, many more uncountable subterranean levels. And they consider ground level gate level, essentially. You know what I got to say about these flights of 50 or more stone steps and seven levels above ground? Um, dwarves must have had really good asses. Yeah. Like glutes to die for, you yeah, know what I mean? All them stairs. All them fucking stairs. That stamina, man. You just going to the grocery store. I gotta climb a hundred some steps today. It's yeah, fine. just like, bam, bam, my ass on the way. <laughs> <laughs> so every level of Moria is comprised of a multitude of arched passages, chambers, and many pillared halls, often with quote black walls polished and smooth as glass. End quote. Hell yeah. 
And uh, below the level of the gates lay mines, treasuries, and dungeons. But even further below the lowest deep of Khazad-dûm lay primordial tunnels in perpetual darkness. These tunnels were gnawed by nameless things that had lived there since the earliest beginnings of Arda. Yeah, few if any have ever glimpsed these creatures, and there's really no description of them anywhere that exists, with the possible exception of the Watcher and the Water, because Gandalf essentially suggests that the Watcher may have come from those deep regions. Are these those point. are these those things that showed up at the Battle of the Five Armies? Technically I think yeah. I think that's what <laughs> oh, I think really? these are the things that they use that's at the Battle of Five that? Armies. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, that was their that was their excuse to make giant worm things. Yeesh. So we've got a uh, excerpt here from The Two Towers, Book 3, Chapter 5, The White Rider, where uh, we get a description of Gandalf, him falling down deep into Khazad Doom when he's fighting the Balrog. And this is going to be read by what somebody at the Renaissance Fair called Skinny Gandalf, um, also known as our friend Trevor. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for that. Yeah, that's his. I think that should be your cosplaying name, honestly. Skinny Gandalf. Skinny Gandalf. Yeah, because he wears the wizard hat and the cloak and he's got a staff. And the guy's just like, what up? What do you say? What up, Skinny Gandalf? Something along those lines, yeah. And if you're going to, uh, this is probably going to be, I don't know when this is coming out, but if we're going to Twin Cities Con, if you're going to Twin Cities Con, Trevor will be there dressed like Skinny Gandalf. Yeah, yeah. My interpretation of Skinny Gandalf, yeah. Yeah. Get ready for it. But he's going to read this excerpt, so enjoy, guys. Long time I fell, Gandalf said at last, slowly, as if thinking back with difficulty. Long I fell, and he fell with me. I was burned. Then we plunged into the deep water, and all was dark. Cold it was as the tide of death. Almost it froze my heart. Deep is the abyss that is panned by Durin's bridge, and none has measured it, said Gimli. Yet it has a bottom. Beyond light and knowledge, said Gandalf, thither I came at last, to the uttermost foundations of stone. He was with me still. His fire was quenched, but now he was a thing of slime, stronger than a strangling snake. We fought far under the living earth, where time is not counted. Ever he clutched me, and ever I hewed him, till at last he fled into dark tunnels. They were not made by Durin's folk, Gimli, son of Glowin. Far, far below the deepest delving of the dwarves, the world is gnawed by nameless things. Even Sauron knows them not. They are older than he. Now I have walked there, but I will bring no report to darken the light of day. Now, I'm going to split hairs for a second here. Okay. They're older than Sauron? Is this a plot hole? Or not a plot hole, like a, uh, uh, a mismatch of information? Because That would be considered a plot hole, I think. I just don't like to say plot hole when it comes to Tolkien because I mean there are plot holes. I mean he was acti- he was constantly revising his massive, ridiculously huge legendarium until he died. Whatever, fine. It's a plot hole, fine. Uh, <laughs> no, but like <laughs> fine, fine. But they're older than Sauron. Like, what is older than an Ainur? Nothing. That's true. Except for Ilavatar himself. Are we talking? Is this Ilavatar down here eating the stone? Maybe. Maybe that's what he does in his, maybe on his we weekends. Can, maybe we can interpret this to mean that they were creatures that existed in Arda before Sauron had descended. Maybe. Perhaps they were Ilavatar's first draft of creatures to make. Gross. The hideous mon- And he just built the foundations over the top of them. <laughs> he just <laughs> covered it up. He just yeah. did it again. He was like, man, I was way too drunk to be making creatures last night. <laughs> <laughs> so some more features of Moria. 
So one important feature of the Duaro Delph was the famous defensive structure known as Durin's Bridge. This was located near the eastern entrance of Khazad Doom. You know, there's that infamous scene with Gandalf and the Balrog on this bridge. Mm-hmm. But essentially, this bridge was a very narrow bridge of stone with no rail that spanned a 50-foot chasm of indeterminate depth. The purpose of this bridge was essentially to force any enemy soldiers to have to cross this terrifying bridge with no railing in single file. And that, one is essentially, one. that essentially eliminates any ground assault. It's a hell of a ever. choke point. Yeah, that, yeah, this is one of the reasons why Sauron was never able to really take over Khazad Doom. Because even if somehow you could find the dwarf doors and somehow get in them, you're never going to get across this bridge without being just slaughtered by all the dwarves on the other side. How fa- how long is the chasm? It's 50 feet? 50 feet. So that's too long to be able like a plank with you, right? You could just like plank over it and then run across the plank. I don't know. I mean, maybe. maybe I mean, there's like they had ladders and shit, I guess. Yeah, I, don't I don't know. know. Maybe. I would love to see an assault on that bridge. That would be really fun to watch. It'd be really sick. It'd be interesting. Another notable feature of Khazad-dûm was the West Gate of Moria, also known as the Doors of Durin. Uh, the doors were made through a collective effort between the elven smith Celebrimbor and the dwarven smith Narvi. I think it's so funny how the ladies love Celebrimbor in the show. Have you noticed that? You don't really go on Twitter, Joel. No, I don't. But there's some like ladies that stand fucking Celebrimbor oh, in yeah? the show. You know? I wasn't a huge fan of the Celebrimbor in the show at first, but I warmed up to him. He's fine. Uh, did either of you guys play the Shadow of War? Video no, game. that Celebrimbor was that totally Caleb different. That is dope. Yeah, he was. I mean, he was pretty dope, but yeah, yeah totally not canon. Use the glaive. That's a, a glaive is a great weapon. When, and it. he came back as like that sort of spirit or shade to guide yeah. the main character, yeah. which was also. I mean, it's pretty cool. It worked cool. as that, that that game mechanic, like detective mode plus uh, wraith powers. It was yeah, like, yeah, yeah, it was pretty cool. Celebrimbor is a wraith. Cool idea. Yeah. So the West Gate of Moria was one of the secret dwarf doors that were nearly impossible to find when closed. And uh, these doors were famously inscribed, like we mentioned earlier, with the Ithildine ruins and designs. Want me to take the inscription? Yeah, give give the inscription a go. Let me over, guy. Let's do it. (sighs) And in Durin, Aran, Moria, Pedo, Melan, Amino, Im, Narvi, Hain, Ekant... Celebrimbor o Eregian Tiathant I Thuithin. That's how I would say it. Well done. What does that mean? What does it mean, guys? So in English or in common speech, it means the doors of Durin, Lord of Moria. Speak, friend, and enter. I, Narvi, made them. Celebrimbor of Holland drew these signs. Can I ask, what is Holland? Holland is just a different word for Eregian. Men use the word Holland usually. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When they're there in the uh, Fellowship of the Ring, they mostly call it Holland because it's kind of the ruins of Eregian at that point. Yeah. You wouldn't, you wouldn't really call it that anymore. There's no more elves living there. Yeah, Holland is kind of what it became known as after the fall of Eregian. Okay, so like most things, it has a separate name. Yeah, like most things in Tolkien, yep. it's got tons yeah, of names. Yeah, men just call it Holland. I think they like have always called it Holland, men, even before the founding of Eregian. Another notable feature of Khazad-dûm was, of course, the endless stair, which fascinates me. Yeah, this was always one of the things I thought was super cool, too. The stair is said to climb from the lowest pit below Moria to the highest peak of Zirak Zigal in one unbroken spiral. Yeah, and at the top of the endless stair was a windy tower known as Durin's Tower. 
And Durin's Tower was said to have been carved from the living rock of the mountain. So they just kind of like literally carved the, the peak into a, into a tower shape. Hell yeah. And after Moria's abandonment in the Third Age, the stair and tower became legendary among the dwarves. And some believed them to be merely a story. Most of the tower in the uppermost section of the stair was destroyed in the battle between Gandalf and the Balrog, which I feel should have a cooler name, right? You just call it just instead of just the battle between Gandalf and the Balrog. Yeah, you can't call it like fucking Maiar Royal Rumble or something. You know what? I found out actually writing this episode in this excerpt, actually. It does have a name. Oh, it does. Cool. Gandalf okay. mentions that if it were to have a name, it would probably be called uh, the Battle on the Peak. I think. Oh, cool. I'm getting ahead of this. Then. No, no, you're no, you're fine. You're fine. Let's but okay, yeah. So most of the tower in the uppermost section was destroyed by the battle between Gandalf and the Balrog, which should have a cool name. It turns out it does, and that was on January 23rd through the 25th of 3019, Third Age. He, he fought it for two days. Yeah, dude. He's a Maiar. He's got the magic. I can't imagine how exhausted you'd feel after that. They fought from the bottom pit all the way... All the way to the top, uh, yeah. Yeah. That's that's a really, really deep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we got a uh, fun excerpt about that from Joel. And this is from The Two Towers, Book 3, Chapter 5, The White Rider. Hell yeah, let's hear it, bud. In that darkness, my enemy was my only hope, and I pursued him, clutching at his heel... Thus he brought me back at last to the secret ways of Khazad-dûm. Too well he knew them all. Ever up now we went until we came to the endless stair. Long has that been lost, said Gimli. Many have said that it was never made save in legend, but others say that it was destroyed. It was made, and it had not been destroyed, said Gandalf. From the lowest dungeon to the highest peak it climbed, ascending an unbroken spiral in many thousand steps, until it issued at last in Durin's tower carved in the living rock of Zirok Zigel, the pinnacle of the Silvertine. There upon Celebdil was a lonely window in the snow, and before it lay a narrow space, a dizzy eerie above the mist of the world. The sun shone fiercely there, but all below was wrapped in cloud. Out he sprang, and even as I came behind, he burst into new flame. A great smoke rose about us, vapor and steam. Ice fell like rain. I threw down my enemy, and he fell from the high place and broke the mountainside where he smote in his ruin. The tower behind was crumbled into dust, and the window gone. The ruined stair was choked with with burned and broken stone. I was alone, forgotten, without escape upon the hard horn of the world. Yeah, that needs divine intervention. How the fuck is anyone going to find you there? Yeah, so I I actually didn't include in that excerpt, but uh, somewhere around that area is when Gandalf mentions that they would have called it the Battle of the Peak. Okay, I believe you, Joel. (laughs) So let's jump into some First Age history of Khazad-dum. That's right, guys, we haven't even made it to the First Age yet. (laughs) We got many more. Here we go. Khazad-dûm played no part in the Wars of Beleriand, and in fact gained a respite from orc attacks throughout the First Age, when Morgoth needed all his strength elsewhere. He was busy. He was a busy guy. As the centuries of the First Age passed, Khazad-dûm became the greatest of all the dwarven mansions and became famous even in the distant west. Yeah, even the elves of Beleriand heard rumors of Khazad-dûm from the dwarves of the Blue Mountains and Durin the Deathless 
eventually died sometime before the end of the first age, and he was buried in a tomb somewhere in Khazad-dûm. In the second age. In second age 40, most of the dwarves of the Blue Mountains, they began to leaving en masse from their now ruined cities in the Blue Mountains to Khazad-dûm in the east. Yeah, the population of Khazad-dûm swelled with large numbers of refugees from Belagost and Nagrand. These dwarven cities were ruined at the end of the first age, along with most of Beleriand and the final battle against Morgoth. And the dwarves of Belagost and Nagrand were not long beards, but broad beams and fire beards. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whether they remained as separate groups within their new home or merged with the long beards is not known. Yeah, the influx of refugees from the Blue Mountains enriched the culture and craft of the Khazadum. Huh. Taking in refugees turned out to be a good thing for them? Interesting. Imagine that. Imagine friggin' that. Hmm. And we got a little quote here. After the end of the first age, the power and wealth of Khazadum was much increased, for is enriched by many people and much lore and craft. Yeah, it was essentially now a dwarven paradise for everybody. Yeah, and around Second Age 700, the Noldoran realm of Eregion was founded just to the west of Khazadum. Neighbors. Yeah, and a friendly relationship between the Longbeards and the Noldor was established. One of the very few friendly relationships between dwarves yeah, and elves. Yeah, and they were cool with each other. They were cool with each other. Like, was, super cool. There was a lot of good profit that came from that. Celebrimbor and Narvi, best friends, right? Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, reasons for the, the doors for Moria, right? Yes, indeed. How's a dune? Yeah. Uh, this friendship have also resulted in further westward extensions of the subterranean realm of Khazadum. Khazadum expanded so much in this time that it has now completely traversed the mountains from east to west. Khazadum's habitable parts remained on the eastward side, but passages were delved through miles of rock that terminated at a gigantic stone doorway, the West Gate to the borders of Eregion. Yeah, and this is where the renowned dwarvish smith Narvi and the lord of Eregion Celebrimbor collectively constructed the magical West Gate of Moria. And uh, just a side note, Narvi is confirmed to be in the next season. I heard that. Oh, Rings of Power? Yep, next season of Rings of Power, so we'll get to see him. Sounds yeah. like we might get to see the creation of the doors. And also I want to see, I also just want to say, Narvi and Celebrimbor, friendship is magic, friendship forever. I'm excited to see that. Narvi is a really cool name. It is a pretty fucking cool name. He was a Can't super wait. renowned smith. Can't wait to see him. So Celebrimbor, yeah, he used Ithildin lettering on the gate on behalf of its builder, his friend Narvi. Yeah, and we've got a nice excerpt here about the uh, Durin's Doors from the Fellowship of the Ring, Book 3, Chapter 4, A Journey in the Dark. I think this is when they're uh, standing outside the trying west. Trying to get in. Trying to get in. Gandalf's trying to remember the password. Dwarf doors are not made to be seen when shut, said Gimli. They are invisible, and their own makers cannot find them or open them if the secret is forgotten. Look, said Gandalf, can you see anything now? The moon now shone upon the gray face of the rock, but they could see nothing else for a while. Then slowly on the surface, where the wizard's hands had passed, faint lines appeared, like slender veins of silver running in the stone. At first, they were no more than pale gossamer threads, so fine that they only twinkled fitfully where the moon had caught them. But steadily, they grew broader and clearer until the design could be guessed. At the top, as high as Gandalf could reach, was an arch of interlacing letters in an elvish character. Below, though the threads were in places blurred and broken, the outline could be seen of an anvil and a hammer surmounted by a crown with seven stars. Beneath these, again, were two trees, 
each bearing crescent moons. More clearly than all else, there was honed forth in the middle of the door a single star with many rays. These are the the emblems of Durin, cried Gimli. And there is the tree of the high elves, said Legolas. And the star of the house of Feanor, said Gandalf. They are wrought of a thildin that mirrors only starlight and moonlight and sleeps until it is touched by one who speaks words now long forgotten in Middle-earth. It is long since I heard them, and I thought deeply before I could recall them to mine. These doors are probably governed by words. Some dwarf gates will only open at special times or for particular persons, and some have locks and keys that are still needed when all necessary times and words are known. These doors have no key. In the days of Durin, they were not secret. They usually stood open, and door wards sat here. But if they were shut, any who knew the opening word could speak it and pass in, or at least it is so recorded. There you go, a nice long excerpt. No, you know everything about the doors of Durin. Yeah, yeah. I also just love that bit about just all the extra information Gandalf loves to give when he's monologuing, like about uh, dwarfish yeah, doors. Just exposition city. He's like, some doors are governed by words, some dwarf gates will only open at special times or for particular persons, and some have locks and keys that are still needed even when all necessary times and words are known. Like well, Straight lockdown. Dwarven doors are fucking hard. <laughs> That's what he calls two-step verification, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Straight up. Would, would all these types of doors, you think, be magical in some way, or just the ones with the uh, the elvish I'm not sure, honestly. It might be one of those things kind of like how hobbits are perceived almost to be magical, even though they're just very skillful. I would say the dwarf dwarves have a magic to them, because remember the one doesn't, the keyhole doesn't show except on Durin's day as well. Yeah, yeah, that whole bit about doors, like they're hard to find at all without the right words, without the right time, without the light. Yeah, so I suppose that is a type of magic, yeah. Could could be magic, or I guess maybe you could suppose, because I mean, dwarves are great craftsmen and had lots of stuff right yeah. so they mm-hmm. they could have built a, a mechanism right does that seem logical a science yeah. or they could have used the uh the power of the silmaril that was in the mithril you can oh you know that makes a lot of sense yeah. actually oh jeez, jeez, you guys i oughta <laughs> <laughs> so let's get into some, some some sad times here yeah, so the friendship of Khazad-dûm and Eregion came to a sudden end, however, in the year 1697 of the Second Age, because this is when Sauron overran Eregion. Yeah, Durin's warriors, they withdrew from the gates, and they shut them against Sauron, also secluding the kingdom off from the outside world, went on straight-up lockdown. Lockdown. Like Governor Waltz, lockdown. <laughs> That's a... Uh, <laughs> A Minnesota joke. Minnesota reverence. It was also during this this time that the jokes re that the, 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 the jokes. jokes. <laughs> what we know what fuck? you really think. No, what I'm really thinking about. <laughs> it was also during this time that the orcs reinvaded the mountains and waged war on the dwarves, taking Gundabad from the kingdom of Durin. Yeah, during the war of the elves and Sauron, Eregion was destroyed, and the survivors, along with a relief army led by Elrond, were in danger of being overtaken and destroyed. But during the third, sent an army of dwarves, which attacked Sauron's army in the rear, allowing the elves to escape. Yeah, following the battle, the dwarves retreated into their city and then closed the gates. And it is also around the beginning of the War of the Elves and Sauron that the dwarves would have first received the dwarven ring of power possessed by the House of Durin. Yes, and it is unclear 
unclear if the ring of power possessed by the house of durin was given them directly by sauron they the dwarves themselves held that it had that it had been given them by Celebrimbor himself directly to durin the third although although it has certainly been created by the dark lord so they don't want to even cop to having any contact with this dude no no yeah and it's kind of up for debate where it came from but they certainly hold fast that it was uh given to them by Celebrimbor. Do you think it's possible that Sauron could have fair formed himself into an image of Celebrimbor? Oh, why not? You know, why not? Yeah, I mean, he is a shapeshifter. I'm, I guess I'm not sure what would prevent him from trying to impersonate. Why not? He's never really taken the form of a, of a specific person, though, right? It's always been an original character. Correct. Not Correct, that I yeah. not, not that I know of. Yeah, it's always been his own. That'd be cool. Sauron's though. not a hack, dude. He's he not comes a up hack. with the, he comes up with original content. <laughs> All right, well, afterwards, Sauron harbored deep hatred for Khazad-dûn and ordered his orcs to trouble Durin's folk at every turn. Uh, but ultimately, the halls of Khazad-dûm were, quote, too deep and strong and filled with a people too numerous and valiant for Sauron to conquer from without. Despite this, its people began to dwindle from this time on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unfortunately. It was during the it was actually during the reign of Durin the Fourth that the dwarves of Khazadum joined the last alliance of elves and men, fighting against Sauron in the Battle of Daggerlad and the Siege of Baradur, which we again have to apologize way back in the day we said that there were no dwarves in the last alliance. Yep, we were wrong. But there were a whole bunch. Yep, there were a whole bunch. There are actually dwarves on both sides. Both sides of that one. So I'm interested to see if they play into that in the show too. Yeah. I wonder if the yeah, well, I wonder what Sauron worshiping uh fucking dwarves are like. That'd be really cool. I hope they play on that. That would be fun to see. That'd be cool. Elves were pretty much the only race not to have gone also to the dark side, yeah. They are the only ones that were united in solidarity against <laughs> Yeah, the dark side, basically. Yeah, well, not even all of them. Not even all of them were united in solidarity. Not not during the first age, but they at least. Well, they hated each other, but they all hated Morgoth. They all mutually hated Morgoth. Yeah, yeah it's true. Yeah. Well, and I, I doubt you would have seen like um, like hobbits or anything on Sauron's side too, right? That'd be kind of sick, but that'd be interesting. Like goth hobbits that just love Sauron. Hobbits. Gobbits. Gobbits. So let's jump into some third age history with Khazad Doom. So by now, uh, throughout the early Third Age, the dwarves of Khazad Doom have expanded their treasuries, but their numbers continue to dwindle. The majority of their wealth was based in their hordes of Mithril, and this had to be mined in their deepest tunnels. And as the centuries went by, the dwarves delved ever deeper for this precious metal. And in uh, 1980 of the Third Age, they dug too greedily and too deep for Mithril, and they unearthed a nameless terror in the depths beneath the city. This Balrog of Morgoth wrought destruction throughout the city, wiping out most of the dwarves and slaying uh, King Durin the Fifth. Sixth? The Sixth. King Durin the Sixth. The Sixth. There's a lot of Durins. There's a lot of Durins. Uh, thereafter, the creature was named Durin's Bane, and the dwarves tried to fight, but the following year... Durin's son, Nain I, was also slain, forcing the dwarves to abandon their home for good. Yeah, and thus the fall of Moria happens. Mm-hmm. All because of this Balrog. It, it always blows my mind that this singular Balrog was able to completely take over Khazad. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, this Balrog was, did more work than Sauron did. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 He's just one guy behind the lines, one Balrog. Hey, and take fucking, that, Sauron. Fucking did it. Yeah, and that, guys, brings us to this week's installment of Minnesota Tolkien radio drama, affectionately known as Minterd. 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 Bet you weren't expecting that. Weren't expecting that, were you? Um, and this one is going to be kind of a what-if type story. 
Yeah. Uh, we're going to take this story of the Balrog endurance folk and kind of turn it on its head a little bit. Yeah. We hope you enjoy. Yeah, we definitely hope you guys enjoy. For it was in this time that the sons of Durin delved the depths of Khazad-dûm greedily in search of precious mithril ore. Two dwarf miners are admiring a particular large vein of shiny ore in a chasm deep beneath the mountains. The dwarves work tirelessly to find the mother load. Oh yeah, oh yeah, we're dwarves. We're dwarves. Clink, clink, clink. Oh yeah, clink, clink. Just a dwarven away. Clink, clink, clink. We're dwarves. Oh jeez. This sure is about the prettiest gosh darn thing you ever saw, hey? Friggin' gorgeous. You know what I mean? You know, when the light hits that there ore just right, hey, it kind of looks like the corn in my grandma's famous tuna hot dish. Oh, yeah. I really like your grandma's tuna. And I really like the hot dish, too, hey? Oh, What a burn. Oh, he really oh, he got, got him. him. He got him. Oh, it's grandma's tuna. <laughs> This ore here is almost like it's got the light of Silmarils in it. You know what I mean? Just then, horns were sounded and the coming of King Durin was upon them. Hey, I was half asleep over there watching the Vikes, and I heard what you said, hey. That was the stupidest thing I've ever heard, yeah. I had to come over here and tell you that, hey. So friggin' stupid. And by the way, I love that guy's grandma's tuna too, you know what I mean? Oh, 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 got him, boss. Oh, good one. Nice one. Oh, yeah, that was, that was a good one. Again. Yeah, that's why I like that Durin. He don't talk like a politician, hey, you know what I mean? Just then, there was a great rumble and the sound of a cave-in. When the dust cleared, the dwarves were unharmed, but a new chasm was opened before them. Great veins of mithril followed a path into the chasm and up to a great red door. Oh, yeah, it's nice to see you guys being so careful down here, you know what I mean? Just great. Oh, good grief. Keep this up and we'll have another 35W bridge collapse on our hands, hey? And we don't want that, do we now? Uh, King Durin, do you hear that, hey? The dwarves went silent as a faint noise could be heard coming from the other side of the red door. It was a song. A deep voice could be heard singing along to it. I only wanted to see you laughing in the purple rain. Purple rain, purple rain. The dwarves looked at each other in amazement. A single tear welled up in Durin's right eye. He softly began to sing. Purple rain, purple rain, yeah! Then all the dwarves began. Purple rain, purple rain. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The song stops, and there is silence in the mountain. It feels as though something significant has happened. Ark, hey, who dwells in my mountain, yeah? Your music tastes speak to my Minnesotan heart, you know what I mean? The music stopped, and there was silence. The door slowly began to open. The soft glow of orange filled the area, and then there stood a balrog. Oh, Jesus, the freaking oh, Balrog. Hey, shit, look at that. Oh, Everybody runs for your lives. Oh, God, I want his beard. Oh, jeez, Balrog. Oh, it's a Balrog. Oh, this isn't good. Oh, jeez. It's a bunch of dwarves. Hey, 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 guys. Now, listen for a second here now, please. The room went silent. The dwarves stopped and listened to the Balrog. Oh, hey, I don't want no trouble. I've just been living here since the war, you know. 
Oh, yeah, I seen my fair share of killing, hey. And, uh, I still see their faces, you know. King Durin responds. His eyes look far away. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know. I know what you're saying. Dwarves, elves, men, and orcs. All of them dead, hey. I don't want no more of it, you know what I mean? I just want to live down here in peace. You can take all the Mithril. I don't care, hey. Can we just be neighbors, you think? King Durin was silent in thought, but at last he spoke. Hmm. You know what? You know what? Yeah, hey. You know, we don't want no killing either, you know. Okay, yeah, you know what? We'll be good neighbors if you will too, eh? That sounds pretty good to me, hey? Yeah! Neighbors! 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 Oh, yeah! It was some days later. The Balrog was at home alone, making dinner. He chopped vegetables with a knife of flame, cooking the carrots as they were chopped. Suddenly, there was a knock at the door. The Balrog moved to open the door. There stood a dwarf in a suit and tie with a tiny pointed beard and greased back hair. Hello, sir. I don't know if you realize this, but the dwarf hedge fund that used to own this property has sold all of its assets and debts to a property management firm. Oh, what? Long story short, you have not been paying rent on this property. Isn't that correct? Oh, rent? Yes, sir. In fact, we have the right to collect back rent from you dating back to the end of the first age, in fact. Uh, I came here as a refugee. Uh, I'm not hurting anyone. Sir, the forms you would need to fill out to claim refugee status are now thousands of years overdue. In our eyes and the eyes of our gods, you are a squatter. And also... The dwarf handed over an envelope and spoke quickly. We'll see you in court. You've been served. Oh, no. This is just awful, hey? Friggin' bureaucrat. Just awful. It was now a few days later when the Balrog was about to sit down and play his flaming violin when there was a knock on the door. The Balrog looked confused. Who could it be at this hour, you think? The Balrog moved to open the front door. When he did, there was a large paper bag. Only it was on fire. Oh, no. What's this here now, hey? This is no good, hey? This could really get out of control here. The Balrog then stomped on the flaming bag, using both feet. When the flames were out, a stench arose from the bag. The Balrog looked at the bottoms of his feet in disgust. Oh, jeez. It's poop. Just then, the Balrog heard uproarious laughter. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> he stepped in the poop. Oh, he stepped <laughs> in the poop. <laughs> the Balrog turned, but could see no one around. Oh, yeah. Real friggin' funny, you guys. Real mature, hey? A few days later, the Balrog was just lying down to sleep. He heard a rumble of bass. The music got louder, and he realized that it was dubstep. Oh, jeez. These friggin' dwarves never give me a moment's peace. Well, I'm gonna go over there and give Durin a piece of my mind, hey? The Balrog walked up to the gates of Khazad-dûm and knocked loudly. The loud dubstep music was even louder. Finally, someone came to the door. It was Durin himself. He was clearly drunk and looked up at the Balrog confused. Oh, oh, hey there, buddy. What are you doing, eh? Hey there, Durin. I was just wondering if you could maybe, you know, turn the music down, you think? I was, uh, trying to sleep, hey. Oh, 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 yeah. 
Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I am so wasted. We got some friends from Rivendell here, and they love to freaking party. Woo! Woo! Shots! 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 Woo! Woo-hoo! Oh, yeah, sorry, man. Oh, I gotta go. I'll buy some candy from you next time, I promise. See you later, hey. And with that, Durin slammed the door in the Balrog's face. The music got louder. Shots, shots, shots! It was a few hours later. The Balrog was sitting in his rocking chair, waiting for the loud dubstep to stop. He rocked back and forth, anxiously. Meanwhile, back at the party, Durin was super wasted. Oh, hey. Ooh, I gotta take a piss. Durin staggered around the cave, looking for something. Oh, well, this looks like a perfectly good old hole to piss in. Durin began to urinate in the random crevasse. Ooh, oh, jeez, that stinks, eh? Must have been all that coffee and asparagus, I bet. Ooh, I wonder where this thing goes anyway. Meanwhile, the Balrog sat in his living room, still sleepless, waiting for the noise to stop. He began to feel a liquid sensation on the top of his head. It came in a steady drip. He stood up, and the liquid began to drip on the rug. What the freak is this here now, hey, dripping on my head? What's all this water coming in here? The Balrog took a whiff and came to a horrific realization. Oh, jeez, Aloo, that's piss. I'm sure of it, hey? Meanwhile, back at the party. Oh, hey, where's Durin, hey? Oh, he's over there peeing in that crevasse. Oh, that gives me an idea. Let's all pee in the crevasse. Yeah, yeah, let's go. Let's go. Yeah, I gotta take a piss. Oh, I gotta go. The dwarves all gathered around the crevasse and began to pee. Woo! Piss, piss, piss. Down in the Balrog's house, the steady stream became a torrent, and the pee splashed all over the living room, totally soaking the rug. Oh no, 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 no! God friggin' dang it anyway. Friggin' dwarves. All over the friggin' rug, it's ruined. And it really tied the room together. You know what I mean? Just then, something inside the Balrog snapped. He went to the closet and pulled out his fiery sword and whip. These dwarves are really gonna regret the day they became my neighbors, hey? Then the Balrog walked out the door and killed all of the dwarves, including Durin. And for a time... The Balrog had peace and quiet. Ah, yeah. That's the ticket. All alone. Finally, hey. (laughs) And that's it, guys. Wow. Wasn't that a fun trip to What If Land? I love the Balrog getting served by, like, the (laughs) Greaseback dwarf. Yeah, in the script, his name is Greaseball. His name is Greaseball the dwarf. (laughs) And... You've been served. <laughs> You've been served. We'll you're, see you in court. You're the paperwork you would have had to fill out to become <laughs> a refugee. As you can tell, we love bureaucracy here at KOT. <laughs> oh, man. That was so good, guys. That was Thanks so much for fun. doing that, Trev. You're, uh, you're a godsend for these. You make, you make my writing a lot easier because I can do more characters when you're around, so I really appreciate it. Oh, I like doing the characters. <laughs> it's a good time. Thank you. Yeah, if you guys don't know, we love our minturds. Interns. We just passed another one here. 
Past another min turd. Past another min turd. Right onto our audience. <laughs> steamy one. We yeah, we passed a steamy min turd onto our audience. Fresh. So <laughs> All right, back to the dwarves. <laughs> so back to Kaza Doom. Yeah, so after the dwarves had all left or been killed by Durin's Bane, Khazad Doom essentially gathered dust and stood dark and empty, except for the sinister Balrog that lurked in the depths. And this is when Khazad Doom became known as Moria, the Black Pit. The Balrog dwelled alone in peace and fucking quiet for a change. Sure, he was loving it. Alone in Moria for nearly five centuries until Moria was populated again, but not. By dwarves. No, no. This time, by goblins fleeing from the north. And they began to raid and uh, raid the abandoned city of its treasures and started to occupy some of its halls. They came upon the Balrog, but established a sort of uneasy coexistence with it. Yeah, I, I couldn't quite get a good grasp on what this relationship was with the orcs and the I Balrog. I bet it's just like he, he doesn't even think of them. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're just like I bet vermin, he's just like, oh, know, I remember. Whatever. Gross, I remember these things. Like bugs yeah. around, whatever. W- wouldn't they both be to some degree servants of Morgoth? To some degree. If, I don't know if the orcs quite remember that whole the At this point, Morgoth the orcs thing. are more or less servants of Sauron, and the Balrog, Sauron never had any Balrogs under his... Power. No, so they, this they never served him. He's an independent contractor, dude. He's basically on the same power tier as a Balrog. Yeah, he's Sauron, Gandalf, Balrogs—they're all kind of right on the same Maiar tier. Yeah. Would we assume maybe? Well, I guess you can't really assume they want the same. So things. this Maiar, we could have reasoned with it and convinced it to help us take down Sauron. Really? Yeah, maybe. Use your words. If not, you found, if you not if fists, found a common like cause or motivation to get it to join, yeah. maybe that'd be kind of cool. You remember that prick Sauron? Yeah, he's a fucking dick. You want to help us kill him? Sure. All right. Cool. Yeah, we'll bring you right to him. We know where he's at. And then they'll they'll hop on the Balrog and fly on the wings it doesn't have all the way to Mount Doom <laughs> and drop in the ring. And that's that. That's the end. Uh, but Kaza Doom, yes. So the orcs, they... Uh, they came upon the Balrog and they established that uneasy relationship. And then Sauron essentially just started to send out troops of orcs and cave trolls to populate Moria and make the abandoned city a stronghold for them to multiply. And during this time is when the orc chieftain Azog became the uh, master of Moria. So they just they just turned Moria into a breeding ground? Basically. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, breeding and, and growing strong and multiplying. Yeah, it's yeah. just an orc home. Moria, orc nursery. Yeah, yeah, basically. So this brings us into the War of the Dwarves and Orcs. In the uh, Third Age, uh, 2790, Thror, who had been king of the Lonely Mountain, uh, attempted to reclaim Moria. He was slain by orcs and his body mutilated by Azog. After this, he gains the title The Defiler. Yeah, Azog the Defiler. And from uh, 2790 to 2793, the Longbeards gathered an army, calling on all the other six houses of dwarves for war yeah and all other six houses answered the call surprisingly for how stubborn dwarves are they they all really come together when it comes to dwarven shit yeah in uh third age 2793 the dwarven host departs for war little is actually known about the six-year-long war but it is known that most of it was fought in the great mines and tunnels of the misty mountains where the dwarves excelled in underground combat yeah and the dwarves successfully assailed and sacked Every orc hold they could find, from Mount Gundabad in the north to the Gladden in the south. They just cleaned out the Misty Mountain Range. Yep. I, I would love to see that in action. Yeah, that'd be a fun war to watch. 
Yeah, it was a long war, six years long. They're just going from north to south through these underground tunnels, just killing as they go. And the war came to an ultimate climax in the Third Age 2799, when the final battle, the Battle of Azanol Bazaar, was fought in the Dimril Dale below the East Gate of Moria. And this battle is a notorious bloodbath. The dwarves finally gained victory when reinforcements arrived from the Iron Hills, and Azog was slain by one of the greats, Dane motherfucking Ironfoot. Dane to Ironfoot. Beep, beep, beep. Beep. Uh, now, King Thrain wanted to enter Moria to reclaim the city, but the dwarves, not of Durin's folk, refused, saying that the city was not their father's house. They had honored Thror's memory by fighting, and that was enough. Uh, Dane Ironfoot also warned the new King Thrain that Durin's bane still dwelt within Khazad-dûn. Yeah, he's like, don't forget, there's still a fucking Balrog in there, bro. Yeah, so they essentially cleaned out the Misty Mountains all up to and except Khazad-dûm itself. Yeah, and by the war's end, the orcs, they suffered irreparable damage to their numbers. 10,000 orcs alone in the Dimril Dale were slain. Yeah, just in the Battle of Azanulbazar. That's crazy. And at least that many were killed through the previous six years of war. Yeah, and as a result of these heavy losses, the orcs of the Misty Mountains virtually disappeared as a threat to Eriador and the, the Wilderland for a while. But like we mentioned, there still were some in Khazad-dûm itself, but uh, at this point, they're, they're kind of in recovery mode Yeah, from the war with the dwarves. They're fucking brutal. Yeah, but the Balrog, of course, still remained in Moria, and many orcs and trolls with him. And so Khazad-dûm remained a stronghold of evil. At some point between 2845 and 2850, the wizard Gandalf entered the city for the first time searching for King Thrain II, who had recently disappeared on a journey to the Lonely Mountain. Thrain was not found in Moria, but Gandalf did find him later in Dol Guldur. This is where he had the uh, key in the map up his butt. Up his butt. Everybody remembers that it's up his butt. If you're looking for it later, it's up his butt. It's up his butt. Yeah, I don't know if you guys know this, but me and Danny wrote an entire musical surrounded uh, surrounding this concept. So yeah, it'll uh, we'll release it give someday. to the give to the Patreon, <laughs> <laughs> bro. If you if we got like somebody to give like a thousand dollars a month, I'd write them a musical every month. We about. will write anyone a musical who is willing to fund us one thousand dollars. We'll write anything you want, please. Anything you want. Anything you want. I'll write it. I promise. So, uh, getting back into the third age of Khazad-dûm, so now we get ourselves up to the point of Balin's expedition. So, in the third age, 2989, after Moria had been quiet for hundreds of years, you know, after the war, uh, some of the dwarves of the Lonely Mountain attempted to reclaim and recolonize Moria. Now, the expedition was led by Balin, son of Fundin, one of Thorn Oakenshield's company on the quest for Erebor. Yeah, and he led a group of dwarves from Erebor to Moria and successfully drove back the orcs for a while. And we're only provided with the names uh, for six of the dwarves on this expedition. Uh, and I hope I do well in these names. We've got Balin, uh, Floey, Frar, Owen, Ori, and Loni. Yeah, that was perfect, man. No, the last one's Lani. Lani's Lani. Hey, Lani. Hey, Lani. Hey. Yeah, uh, presumably there are more than six orcs. Yeah. So it's probably a pretty big crew. Six but dwarves. Dwarves, yeah. yeah. Or, uh, orcs. Dwarves. <laughs> Thank you. My cousin Lani's here, though. Cousin Lani, he's, uh, he's uh, you know, worth like 16 dwarves yeah, on his own. Yeah, he's you know? 16 dwarves on his own. He's tough. He's from Jersey. He's what? Like, he's almost like four and a half feet tall. He's huge. He's huge. <laughs> so, of course, however, the Balrog, 
is still there and remained active. And the number of orcs was too great compared to Balin's small company. So all of the dwarves in Balin's company, including Balin himself, were eventually killed by 2994 of the Third Age. And so ended Balin's expedition. Damn, they lasted five years? Yeah, they didn't last that long. Oh, yeah, one of the things we forgot to mention, uh, they found Durin's axe. Yep, yeah, they found, they found a few things while they were in there. Yeah, because uh, they took back almost all the, uh, they took back many of the eastern halls. Yes, and they also mention uh, something helm. What right, in the manuscript, he- yeah. It what says famous helm could it be? Something helm. Uh, that's, it's also, that, that line made it into the book, too, something helm. What, what if it's the helm of Hador? What famous dwarvish helms helmet. do we know of? There's the helm of, uh, didn't Hammerhand wear a dwarvish helm? I don't know. Or a, or a mask? Some, maybe I'm crazy. But uh, we know for a fact the dragon helm of Dorloman. Was yeah. that not of dwarvish That's make? Dwarvish make, of course. Hmm. Maybe they took it from his tomb. Somehow. Maybe. Anyway, so this brings us up to the quest for the ring, something that most people will be familiar with. Yeah. In the Fellowship of the Ring, when they set out from Rivendell on the quest for the ring, they were forced to make their way through Moria after the failed attempt of climbing Karadaras, the Red Horn. Yeah, they entered through the western gate near a lake with dark waters, from which a ten... How would you say it? Tentacular? A tenticular monster? Tenticular monster. And it hit him right in the tenticulars. <laughs> in the tenticulars. <laughs> yeah, so they yeah, so in the dark waters was a tentacular monster known as the Watcher in the Water, uh, and it emerged in attempt to kill Frodo. Yeah, and when inside uh, Moria, finally, the Fellowship passed through miles of tunnels and great halls until they finally reached the Chamber of Mazabul. And there, they found a book explaining the last accounts of Balin's expedition. And we've got uh, a couple longer-sized excerpts we're going to do back-to-back for you guys for this, because this is just too great. When they're reading the Book of Mazabul, I just, we got, we got to check this out. This is great. So this is going to be an excerpt from the Fellowship of the Ring, Book 2, Chapter 5, The Bridge of Khazad-dûm. At last, Gandalf looked up. It seemed to be a record of the fortunes of Balin's folk, he said. I guess that it began with their coming to Dimril Dale nigh on thirty years ago. Listen to this. We drove out orcs from the great gate and guard. I think. The next word is blurred and burned. Probably room. We slew many in the bright. I think. Sun in the dale. Floy was killed by an arrow. He slew the great. Then there is a blur, followed by Floy under grass near Miramare. The next line or two I cannot read. Then comes, We have taken the twenty-first hall of the north end to dwell in. There is, I cannot read what, a shaft is mentioned. Then, Balin has set up his seat in the chamber of Mazarbul. Well, I can read no more for a long way, said Gandalf, except the word gold and Durin's axe and something helm. Then, Balin is now Lord of Moria. That seems to end a chapter. After some stars, another hand begins, and I can see we found true silver, and later the word well-forged, and then something. I have it. Mithril. And the last two lines... Owen, to seek for the upper armories of Third Deep. Something go westwards. A blur. To Hollandgate. Wait, here is something. A large, bold hand using an elvish script. That would be Ori's hand. 
said Gimli, looking over the wizard's arm. He could write well and speedily and often used the elvish characters. I fear he had ill tidings to record in a fair hand, said Gandalf. The first clear word is sorrow, but the rest of the line is lost unless it ends in estray. Yes, it must be yestray, followed by day, being the 10th of November, Balin, Lord of Moria, fell in Dimril Dale. He went alone to look in Miramir. An orc shot him from behind a stone. We slew the orc, but many more uh, up from the east, up from up from Silverload. Uh, the remainder of the page is so blurred that I can hardly make anything out, but I think I can read, we have barred the gates, and then can hold them off if, and then perhaps horrible and suffer. It seems grim reading, he said. I fear their end was cruel. Listen, we cannot get out. We cannot get out. They have taken the bridge and the second hall. Frar and Loni and Nelly fell there. Then there are four lines smeared so that I can only read went five days ago. The last lines run the pool is up to the wall at Westgate. The watcher in the water took Owen. We cannot get out. The end comes, and then drums, drums in the deep. I wonder what that means. The last thing written is in a trailing scrawl of elf letters. They are coming. There is nothing more. Gandalf paused and stood in silent thought as a sudden dread and horror of the chamber fell on the company. When we were reading these and there's like blurred sentences and stuff like that, Tolkien actually drew that shit out. And we <laughs> saw that did. at the uh, at the manuscript exhibit. Specifically this, the, this, chamber, the it, Book of Mazarble. Specifically, like, yeah, if you look at his drawing of it, you can, all the lines that are smeared that Gandalf says are smeared. Yeah, he's, he has smeared lines of text. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's... It's crazy the amount of detail he put into a few of these these items in these stories. Yeah, it's insane. We got to see so many uh, artifacts dealing with this this manuscript here. Yeah, it was so cool. Yeah, so they were taken by surprise as orcs and cave trolls in the chamber of Mazarbul. They were chased from the chamber when a Balrog arrived. They eventually made it to the bridge of Khazad-dûm. At the bridge, Gandalf bravely confronted the creature to prevent him from crossing, and the two briefly dueled on the bridge before plunging together into the abyss below. And this saved the lives of Gandalf's friends, and they carried on out of Moria into Dimrald Dale. Yeah, but however, Gandalf and the Balrog both survived the fall, as we talked about earlier in that cool excerpt when Gandalf talked about falling. Uh, so the wizard then pursued the monster through deep tunnels beneath Khazad-dûm to the Endless Stair, and then all the way up to Durin's Tower at the peak of Zirok Zigul. And here, their, their final battle took place. In the end, Gandalf defeated the Balrog and cast its corpse down upon the mountainside before succumbing to its his own wounds. Yeah, Gandalf's confrontation with the Balrog was the last major event to take place in Khazad-dûm for the rest of the Third Age. That essentially rounded off the Third Age for yeah. Khazad-dûm. Yep. There wasn't uh, too much that happened. No. Let's, uh, there is a there is a little bit of knowledge here on the fourth age though. Yeah, yeah. So in the fourth age of Middle Earth, the Longbeards they always yearned for their homeland in Khazad-dûm, and uh, even more so after more than a thousand years had passed. And as an Elbazar, 
became, quote, the deep shadowed valley which we cannot forget, end quote. Yeah, the dwarves, they felt compelled to continue incorporating the image of the mountains of Moria into many works of metal and stone, into many songs and many tales. The dwarves say that these mountains stand tall, quote, stand tall in our dreams, end quote. And with the destruction of the Balrog, the way was at last clear for the Longbeards to reclaim the Dwarodwelf. Uh, it is told that a few centuries into the Fourth Age, during the Seventh, a descendant of Thorin III Stonehelm, at last led his people back to their ancient homeland and retrieved what they could of Khazad-dûm's once mighty riches. Yeah, something I also l- something we also learned recently: the coming of Durin the Seventh, the final Durin. Yes, was apparently foretold by Dane Two Ironfoot. Yeah, something we learned about one of our favorite characters. Yeah, we learned something new today. We learned something new today. We learned something new today. Yeah, so that essentially rounds off the history of Khazad-dûm, my friends. That's pretty much the end of the episode, too, gang. Yeah, so some final thoughts on Khazad-dûm. For me personally, I know if there was any place in Middle-earth that I could visit, I think Khazad-dûm would probably be at top of my list. Yeah, honestly... I might agree with you. It's a, it's definitely on the top of my list for sure. Yeah, I I would love to visit that place, especially in the height, sometime during the Second Age. Oh yeah, I'll go with agreeing with you guys. However, Numenor would also be quite far mm, up that yeah, list. Yeah, uh, Numenor yes. is my number one. Yeah. Numenor is your number one. Yeah. Hell yeah, understandable, understandable. Yeah, and we yeah we learned some cool shit about Kazadum that we didn't know today. Yeah. Each level separated by 50 flights of stairs. There's seven levels above the ground level and uncountable levels below ground level. Like, there's a whole bunch of really cool shit out there. Like, Tolkien puts so yeah. much detail into these places. I was astonished by the uh, Citadel guards having Mithril helmets in the Gondor. Yeah, yeah. Some Dunedainery I didn't know. Dunedainery. I still think it's funny that there are creatures older than Sauron down yeah, there. Yeah, what the fuck does that mean? Yeah, <laughs> I, I've always... Question mark. That that phrase has always piqued my interest. The nameless things that live beneath even the deepest delvings of the dwarves. Sauron knows them not. Yeah, what the fuck? What are these things? I love the little unknowns in Tolkien. The little random one-offs. The little fucking... Uh, yeah, just little like tangents. Yeah. That, that, make, uh, that make little it... to no sense sometimes, but they make it into the story anyway. Yep. <laughs> beautiful beautiful stuff yeah so we hopefully this uh episode gave some context for the state of casa doom during the uh, rings of power show for you yeah this is kind of why we're doing this again relevance relevance and like we had mentioned in the rings of power review right now the show takes place in the second age but it's but they're certainly taking events from the third age and it looks like they're bringing them into the second age yeah for example the fall of Moria, the fall of Khazad-dûm. Mm-hmm. It sounds like they're bringing that into the second age. Sounds like it. But now, you should all have some context for, for all of this. For when it happens. And, and now, if you didn't know, you know what the Balrog does, because they didn't talk about that at all in the show. That's right. No, they didn't. Yeah, in case you didn't know, it turns out the Balrog was actually a really nice guy. Yeah, really nice guy. And just, the dwarves were just asshole neighbors. Yeah, just real bad neighbors. Yeah, just, real bad just neighbors. Just throwing trash like that leaf, you know? And yeah. those, those yeah. Rivendell elves are still doing shots. Shots, 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 shots. shots. All right, guys. Well, next week we're going to be having, uh, that'll be episode 72. Oh, my God. There's so many episodes we could keep on talking. The Realm of Mordor is what we're talking about. Yeah, we're both very excited for this because we realize that the Realm of Mordor is not something either of us have a ton of knowledge knowledge about. Not not, not a ton of the history. So Mm -hmm. considering how much uh, of the lore they're diving into in the show, we thought that that would be a very appropriate subject to dive into. Yeah, the Mordor button has been pushed. (laughs) Yes, KOT has pushed the Mordor button. So yeah, tune in next week for that. That'd be fantastic. 
Yeah, but thanks for listening to KOT. We want to first throw out a big thank you to all of our Patreon subscribers that help support us. If you'd like to do that, it's www.patreon.com slash KOT podcast. Yeah, this helps us bring you great new content with the same level of quality, and subscribing can also unlock some exclusive content. And uh, keep in mind, we also can do private one-time donations. However you want to do it, we'll make it happen. We have PayPal and other services. A big shout-out to our one-time donators who helped fund us getting to Twin Cities Con this year. Yes, everybody, we love you all. I wish I had uh, a list of your names in front of me right now, but we will get that. We'll shout-out all of you individually at some point here. Yes, it's because of you that we got to experience that. So thank you all so much. Thank you. We love you. Trevor's actually coming with us, aren't you, Trevor? Yes, I am. I'm very excited. Yes! This is going to be so yeah, much fun. It's going to be sweet. We're going to take so many pictures. It's going to be a great time. Check it all out. Yeah, so the whole gang will be there. Thanks to y'all. And uh, don't forget to subscribe on Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be at thatsite.com forward slash keep on Tolkien. Stay up to date with all of our new episodes and uh, rate us and give us a review while you're there. Yeah, follow us on social media. Make sure you join the Discord. That is where it's freaking happening, you guys. Join the Discord. Our server name is Keep On Tolkien Podcast. There will be an invite link in the description of this episode and in all of our YouTube videos as far as we are aware. And also, follow us on Twitter at KOT Podcast. Yeah, follow us on Facebook at uh, facebook.com forward slash official Keep On Tolkien. And while you're there... Don't forget to join the KOT Talk group. Ask questions and uh, join discussions and share fun memes. It's it's a fun time. And, of course, follow us on Instagram at Keep on Tolkien Podcast. And also on TikTok at Keep on Tolkien Podcast. Look at that. And don't forget to check out the merch store. New merch coming all the time. Yeah, and that URL is keep-on-tolkien-podcast.tmail.com. And uh, just a word about Tmail. Tmail is a great company. We really like them. Um, it was hard to find an ethical t-shirt company, and we think we did a pretty good job finding a good one. So, yeah, please buy our t-shirts, guys. They're pretty freaking cool. All right, that's all we've got for you today, guys. I'm Danny J. I'm Joel N. I'm Trevor D. And we are... Keep, Keep on, on talking. Trevor, take the Al Ray. Al Ray in Tulava. Into the what? In Tulava. In the Vaux.